0: I'm thankful for evidence of God's grace, not only at Christmas time, but having that many kids up on stage near candlelight and nothing's on fire right now. And leave it to the preacher's kid to almost go knock them over. So, (laughs) I mean, the kids, they did so good reading the Christmas story, but the whole time I was like, she's going to knock that candle over. (laughs) It's about to get real up in here. (laughs) You know, there are just these um, statements in life that we hear uh, that we never forget, There's these these times where someone will speak to us and they say something that is just so real and something that is so in our hearts that it just stays with us in our memory banks forever. It could be the first time that someone came up to you and said, I love you. That's a special moment that you remember. I got a chance to hear that for the first time this week from one of my children who has a thick Mandarin accent. And it sounded very violent when she said it. It was an I love you. Uh, okay, but it was special and I'm hiding it in my heart and just really celebrating that. Maybe it was a time when uh, you heard those words, with this ring, I wed. Or maybe it's when someone said, congratulations, it's a boy or it's a girl. These are special statements that we hear that are like anchors in our hearts that we never forget. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave a statement that we would never forget. And when, as he speaks this statement to his audience, it was something that was so hidden in their hearts that it explodes thousands of years later as we read it off the page of Scripture. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, I'm talking about John chapter 8. Verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me real quick to John chapter 8. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can pull it up on your phone. It'll also be on the screen. This is so rich in regards to its content. As we think about Christmas and the celebration of the birth of Jesus, there's a moment where Jesus is having a conversation with a bunch of Pharisees. Pharisees were religious leaders that really hated Jesus for two reasons, primarily because he would call them out for being wrong about the scriptures, but they also didn't like him because the crowds loved Jesus. Whenever he would teach, people would flock to come hear what he had to say because the content was so rich. And in John chapter eight, these Pharisees are gathered around him. And in John chapter eight, verse 12, he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, John, in his gospel, is trying to prove to you that Jesus is the Son of God, and that through faith in him, you can have life in his name. And the book of John, in many ways, is a scrapbook of these snapshots of the moments of Jesus, of his life, and of his ministry. And they all come together, make a beautiful storyline, pointing him to be Who he said he was, the Son of God. And here we see three truths here in the text from John chapter 8, verse 12, that Jesus lays out for us that I want us to grab hold of this Christmas season. The first truth I want you to see is that Jesus makes a declaration. He makes a declaration in verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, those two words, I am, I am is the, these are the seventh time they show up here in the Gospel of John. They're called the seven I am statements. Jesus tells us that I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. And here he's saying, I am. I am the light of the world but that phrase i am is a big deal because you have to go back to exodus chapter three when god shows up to moses and speaks to him in a bush he says moses i'm calling you to go back to egypt and lead my people out of captivity you're gonna lead them well moses says well before i go who do i say sent me what is your name and god says my name is i am I am, is the ever-present God, the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh himself, and so every time Jesus uses the phrase, I am, he's pointing to his deity. He is declaring, I am God. Here we see in John chapter 8 verse 12 where this statement, it totally shook the foundations of these Pharisees. These religious guys were like, whoa, whoa, whoa you're claiming to be God. In fact, later on in chapter 8, they attack him for this saying that, oh, you're, you're not, there's no way you're God. That doesn't happen. But here, Jesus is declaring, I am who I am. That covenant keeping God from Exodus chapter 3, you're looking at him. Jesus is declaring his deity. You see, Jesus is the eternal Son of God who has always existed as God the Son. We see that he, throughout scripture, he is a co-equal with the Father and with the Spirit. And in fact, at creation, we see that Jesus was there at creation as creator because he is God. Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter one, says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all of creation. And by him, all things were made. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things were made by him and for him, and through him, all things hold together. In fact, Hebrews 1.3 goes on to say that he sustains the universe by the word of his power. This is what makes Christmas all the more stunning is that God himself was born in a manger. The one who told the stars to go to their place came and was born in a shepherding village outside Jerusalem in a town called Bethlehem. You see, Jesus here is declaring his deity, but he's also here He is declaring his deliverance because he says, I am the light of the world. Now, when you think about light, that's a big deal in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, whenever you see light used, it is God pointing forward to a deliverer, a Savior, a Messiah, who's going to come and save the people. This is a Messiah who's going to come forth and be a light in a dark land, Isaiah chapter 9. And he's declaring, I am the deliverer. I am the light of the world. All of the light is pointing to me. You know, growing up, one of my dad's favorite stops that we made on vacation would be go to a lighthouse. He was a big fan of of lighthouses. And whenever we were near a coast, we'd go and check one out. And he loved the, the architecture. They were like little castles just inviting people to come and be explored. And we'd go inside these lighthouses and climb to the top and look out. It was just a wonderful memory that I'm holding on to with my dad. You know what's interesting about lighthouses? They serve two purposes. The first purpose is to warn you of danger. The second purpose is to point to where you can find safety. Well, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's declaring, I'm kind of like a lighthouse. I am warning you of where danger is. And I'm going to point you to where you can find safety. You see, that's why Jesus came was so that he could save us from danger, from judgment, from hell. That is what Christmas is about. God sending his son Jesus who would come as the light of the world who would tell us there is danger coming. There is wrath that is coming, but you can be saved. There is a place where you can find safety and it's found in me. You see, Christmas is the inauguration where God the Son steps into the fray. He takes on skin and bone, just like me and you. And he lives that perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And he dies a death that we deserved on the cross so that in him we can be saved. He is the light of the world. He's declaring his deity and he's declaring his deliverance. But I also want you to see verse 12. He goes on to say, or we see Jesus gives an invitation. He says there in verse 12, this is so good. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me. Whoever. It's inclusive. It's anybody and it's everybody. God offers this invitation to whosoever. You can come. We see this word show up a lot in the Gospel of John. In John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In John chapter 4, Jesus says that whoever believes in me will never spiritually go thirsty. We see him kind of unpack this more in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, speaking of his, his coming into the world, verse 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. This is such good news for us that God offers an invitation to people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. This is good news of the gospel. is that God is inviting people to himself. You know what's interesting? There was no secret service in Bethlehem. There was no army standing guard to protect the king of kings. Why? Because he's approachable. He invites you to himself. He's not afraid, but he invites the world to come and to believe upon him. That's why he came, is to go to the cross so that we might put our faith and trust in him. You see, God is inclusive. He includes the whole world. Jesus says, verse 12, for whoever. It's an open gate to anyone who wants to believe the gospel. And this is good news for us. The gate is wide open. But it's difficult and it's narrow." You're thinking, Kenneth, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You see, Jesus' invitation is inclusive and it's open to whoever, yet it's exclusive to those who follow him. That's what he says there in verse 12. Man, he is inclusive, whoever. It's open to everybody, but it's also exclusive because he's narrowing it down saying, if you're gonna come to the kingdom, you've got to be willing to follow me. And here Jesus is saying, listen, if, if you wanna be in the kingdom. If you want to be a part of my family, you've got to be willing to humble yourself and follow me. He kind of elaborates this for us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where he says, For if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross daily and follow me. If you're here today, I want you to hear me. Jesus Christ is inviting you to follow him. It's an inclusive invitation. It's open to everybody and anybody, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to die on the cross and he rose again on the third day so that those who trust in him can enter into the kingdom. You will have the light of life. But you've gotta be willing to follow him. See that's the hard part for us. It means that you're willing to forfeit your own life. You're saying I'm no longer living for me and what I want. Following my desires, following what I wanna do with my life. To follow Jesus says you gotta be willing to say no to yourself and yes to Jesus, saying I'm all in. It's not half hearted. It's not a, okay, I'll kind of commit, I'll be kind of passive, lukewarm, one foot in, one foot out. That's not what Jesus is interested in. He wants all of your heart, all of your life. And he says, for I am the light of the world, whoever follows me. He's inclusive in his invitation. But it's exclusively applied to those who trust in him. See, to follow Jesus means that you humbly submit to his lordship. It means that you joyfully obey his commands and you loyally declare your allegiance to his kingdom. You see, everybody has a throne on their heart. You've got one, I've got one. The question is, who's sitting on that throne? Who's king of your heart and of your life? Are you king? Are you boss or are you following someone other than Jesus in a relationship, in a job, in the pursuit of money and stuff? Who is sitting on your heart? You see, to follow Jesus says you're gonna get up off the throne of your own heart and life and you're gonna allow Jesus sit down and he rules and he reigns. And this Christmas, he is inviting you to allow you to come. Come on, everyone, whosoever, you're invited. But you've got to be willing to follow me. Well, not only is Jesus making a declaration and is he giving an invitation, I want you to see, thirdly, that Jesus promises transformation. This is such good news for us. He says there in verse 12 I am the lie of the world, whoever believes in me. This is so good. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, the word darkness, it's referring to a a pattern of life that's void of God. Darkness is referencing a way in which we live that's for sin and it's for self. It's about me. You may have seen that show up in your life when it comes to sin in your heart and in your life whether it's to addiction or to experiences that you've, you need to stay away from, but man, there's just a pattern of darkness and foolishness that creeps into your heart and it's seen through the habits and patterns of your life. You see, someone who, does, who habitually, continually walks in the darkness doesn't know Christ I think that's something that's so important that we grab hold of, especially here in the South, is that you might think, well, I go to church, or I must be a Christian. No, 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 no. You see, entrance into the kingdom means you follow Jesus. You allow him to be Lord and King of your heart and of your life. And on that day when you and I stand before him and we give an account for our life, the only thing that matters is, do you know Jesus. You see, this Christmas is about directing our hearts not only to a manger, but it's about directing our hearts to the cross where Jesus came and laid his life down for your sin. And that's good news for all of us. That the light of the world came and bled and died on our behalf. And when we do, verse 12... We no longer walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. That word have means to possess. It means that you own it. It's part of who you are. Literally, the light of Jesus is inside of you. It's like Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, for a believer in Jesus, the old has passed, okay? It's gone, it's dead. You're now in Christ. You're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5. You're abiding in Jesus. You're trusting in Jesus. And the darkness is gone and you have the light of life. Literally, Jesus is inside of you. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4, that you were darkness, but now you are light. That's good news for us And that's what the gospel came to accomplish, was to take you and I out of darkness and into his marvelous light through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, on creation, back in Genesis chapter one, it's interesting how God on one day created the stars and the universe put the sun and the moon up in the sky The moon is not the source of light. It reflects the light. In fact, you know that the sun is still shining when you can see the moon. We'll see to verse 12, have the light of life means that you and I, we're kind of like the moon. We're not the source of light. We reflect the light. We show the world that there is a source and he is the light of the world. But you know, the moon... When it's not lit up by the light, it's in the dark. Even in the middle of the night, we can't see it. If you're here today and you're not allowing the light of Jesus to shine upon you and through you, you're gonna be a very poor reflection of his light. You see, the theme this this Christmas has been the joyous light of Christmas, and the light is Jesus. He is the light of the world, and God is calling you, And he's calling me to be reflections of the light. Just as the moon reflects the sun, so you and I reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And that's the point that Jesus is making here in John 8. That he is God, come in the flesh. And those who trust in him, it's open to everybody. But only a few are gonna be willing to follow him. But those who do, you no longer walk in darkness. You have the light of life. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, Christmas is about light penetrating darkness in a Bethlehem stable. The baby born and laid in a manger grew up, and he lived that life that you and I couldn't live. No sin perfection, absolute obedience. And the scripture says that he went and died on the cross. He laid his life down, not because he had to, but because he wanted to, for the joy of his father and to bring you and I back to a right relationship with God. And you and I can have it if we will look to the manger. And if we will look to the cross, and if we will look to the empty tomb, and when we do, we will find the light of life.